There we go. So, uh, Jeremiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. The word of the Lord came to me. Go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem. I remember the devotion of your youth. How as a bride you loved me and followed me through the desert, through a land not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord. The first fruits of his harvest, all who devoured her were held guilty, and disaster overtook them, declares the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob. All you clans of the house of Israel, this is what the Lord says. What fault did your fathers find in me, that they strayed so far from me? They followed worthless idols and became worthless themselves. They did not ask, where is the Lord who brought us up out of Egypt and led us through the barren wilderness, through a land of deserts and rifts, a land of drought and darkness, a land where no one travels and no one lives. I brought you into fertile land to eat its fruit and rich produce, but you came and defiled my land and made my inheritance detestable. The priests did not ask, where is the Lord? Those who deal with the law did not know me. The leaders rebelled against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal, following worthless idols. Therefore, I bring charges against you again, declares the Lord, and I will bring charges against your children's children. Cross over to the coast of Kittim and look. Send to Kedar and observe closely. See if there has ever been anything like this. Has a nation ever changed its gods? Yet they are not gods at all. But my people have exchanged their glory for worthless idols. Be appalled at this, O heavens, and shudder with great horror, declares the Lord. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Some pretty deep words there. These are words that were given to Jeremiah to share with the Israelites. You see at the first of this, the Lord saying, I remember your devotion of your youth. How was a bride you loved me? That, that talk, that analogy of um, a newlywed couple or someone that come and you're, uh, I use the word, um, I think it's from Bambi, Twitterpated. You're Twitterpated by someone and you follow them wholeheartedly. You, you just want to be with them. You want to you serve them in any way. You just want to be around them. And you see this, you see this, this remembrance of the Lord, how as, um, how as a bride you loved me, you trusted me. You followed me through the desert, um, a land that was not sown yet. Um, you were holy to the Lord. The Israelites were holy. Um, they were the, the first fruits of his harvest. Anyone that come against the Israelites, they were held guilty and disaster overtook them, declares the Lord. Like you see all through the time when they were going through the promised land, all these different battles they had. Like the Lord was faithful. The Lord was always there for them. It goes on and the Lord is, is asking questions. So you, you sh- I've shown you um, when you were young and you were, um, we'll just use the word that we hear, on fire for me. How I, I didn't desert you. I didn't lead you into anything that um, was not good. He changes it here and he's like, but you guys have left. And he asks, what fault did your fathers find in me? That they strayed so far from me. So he's asking the Israelites, like, what, what, what caused you guys to leave? What caused you guys to, to pursue um, worthless idols and ultimately become worthless yourselves? Like, what, what changed? 
And, and I think that resonates with us as, as, as we go through. Like, again, I asked us to look at this as in our walk with Christ, as our um, time with him. How many, how many times have you heard, I was on fire for the Lord, and, and uh, uh, just everything was different, and then little by little, that fire kind of dwindles away, and, and we seem to be just not on fire. Like, why? Like, did you find fault with Jesus? Did, did he ever lead you astray? Did he ever do you wrong? No, we, we, we accept the lies of, of um, the flesh. We accept the lies that there's something else better out there. Um, we've all followed worthless idols. We've all chosen um, our fleshly desires. We've all chosen everything but God at times. Um, from, you know, my example is, is Tony Land. Tony Land can be the garage sometimes, going out and puttering. Um, Tony Land, like I could get angry sometimes when Jen comes out to me and says, we got to do X, Y, and Z. Well, you're pulling me away from this. Why do we get angry? Probably a lot of truth to saying that there might be some idol um, worship going on there. Different things like that. What pulls me away from the Lord? You can see these things. These things are worthless. Like, really, what's going to happen if I don't get the stuff done in the garage that I have planned out to get done? What, what really is going to happen? It's just worthless. It, nothing is going to happen. Ultimately, we all uh, well came to the same conclusion. We will meet our maker. We will pass on. Like, nothing is that important. But I, I do this... this uh, this study, like in all studies, God brings certain things up that um, I idolize, I struggle with, I put before God. Um, and, and those hurt if you start thinking about them. And it's hard for someone to admit that there are things in your life that you put above God. Like if you was to accuse me of that, there'd probably be a horrible arrogance of pride that come up, which is another horrible thing. But anyways, like God is, God is good. God, God has a way to speak to come to me and say like, like, do you, do you truly value me? Um, we see here that um, the Lord brings the Israelites. Um, he brings them out of Egypt. He leads them through uh, the barren wilderness, the land of deserts, rifts, um, droughts, and darkness. And he brings them into a fertile land. Even when they strayed so far, he, he brings them into this fertile land to eat its fruit and rich produce. So he brings them here. He's faithful. He guides them. He brings them to the land of milk and honey. Milk and honey. <clears throat> and you see what they did. And it says, But you came and defiled my land and made my inheritance detestable. So if we go off of the analogy of the bride... We have the groom that has given his all to care for his bride, to make sure that um, the bride has everything possible. The, the groom is perfect. It's not, uh, it's not as a husband and wife that you think in earthly terms that is flawed sometimes and thinks about himself, nothing but himself. Christ is the perfect groom. So he's provided in everything. And, and you see right here, I've given you everything. I've cared for you. I love you. But you came and defiled my land and made my inheritance detestable. Basically cheated on the Lord. Basically said the Lord wasn't good enough. I'm going to choose other things that bring me happiness instead of you, Lord. Made my inheritance detestable. 
So other kingdoms probably looked at this and, and looked at the inheritance of God, which is the Israelites, and, and said, man, these, these people are like detestable, like yuck. Like how many times this, this resonated with me on if you go and you share the gospel to people, and, and we're all guilty of this because we are flawed, we are broken, but how many times have we made the gospel um, that word slipped my mind uh, basically um, you say one thing but you do another what's the word I'm looking at hypocritical you talk about your faith and you talk about different things and instantly people um, they don't want to hear it, they don't even want to talk about it um, there, there's a saying that goes around, there's two things you don't talk around you don't talk about at work and that's politics and religion um, is the two things you kind of hear and, and uh, in some ways I agree with that um, first of all, like I don't, I don't really want to get into it with, uh, with religion. I would rather share the relationship that God has for all of us and show the love that he has for us. But I think the world sees sometimes the church as detestable. We are the holy rollers. You aren't like us, so we look down on you. Um, that is not well. Um, we are broken. Uh, the only reason we're fixed or the only reason we have a chance is because of our faith in Christ. Not because of who uh, we are or what we did. We, we didn't earn nothing. We don't have no favor with God. It's just simply what he's done for us. And, and you see this with the, the Israelites. They've been saved. They've got brought out of the land of Egypt. They got to the promised land. And, and through all this, they start turning their ways. They become... Um, lack of words is less on fire and they started pursuing their own needs their flesh started coming back uh, they were um, detestable to the Lord <clears throat> we see that it was everyone in the Israelites we see here that the priest did not ask where is the Lord those who deal with the law did not know me the leaders rebelled against me the prophets prophesied by Baal following worthless idols it was everyone the leaders the priests the, the prophets everyone was pursuing themselves um there was, there was other prophets besides Jeremiah. But they were so consumed with what the king was going to do with them that they prophesied things that made them look good. They prophesied what, prophesied what the king wanted to hear. Not the truth, not about what God was telling them. Things to make them um, look better. Another sin of mine. Sometimes I people please. I don't want to be truthful with people. I don't want to talk um, in love truthfully. And, and honestly, how well am I loving people if I am doing that? Not very well. I care more about myself than I do you because of the consequences of maybe um, uh, anger or uh, bitterness or something like that. Like, these are, these are flaws I have. Again, it, it hurts sometimes, um, these things that come out through these sermons that, that God shows me. And, and uh, I just praise God for his patience. Um, pray for your guys' patience as well and, uh, and prayer in all this. Um, at the end here, it goes, God says, Therefore, I will bring charges against you again, declares the Lord. And I will bring charges against your children's children. Uh, cross over to the coast of Kittim and look. Send to Kedar and observe closely. See if there has ever been anything like this. Has a nation ever changed its gods? Yet there are no gods at all, but my people have exchanged their glory for worthless idols. It got so bad here that the Israelites would go from 
prayer and worship in the synagogue to God, they'd walk across the street and they would go serve whatever God of the, of the flavor of that month was. And some of this was getting so bad, they were actually sacrificing their own children to these other gods. And then this passage here, God's trying to awake them, trying to grab them. The Israelites have a problem, as we all do sometimes, with... um, uh, Man alive, I'm going dead again. Where we we look at something that someone else has and we want it. There we go. Man, thank you, Dave. We covet different things. The Israelites coveted the other nations on, on their king. They wanted a king for themselves. The, the way that God set it out with judges and prophets, they didn't like. They looked across the, the, the fence and says, man, they've got it better than we do. We covet what they have. God ended up giving it to them. They ended up giving them kings. In this area here, he's trying to show them, like, look at you guys. Like, you guys look at other nations at, at different things. Do you realize that other nations don't do that? Other nations don't go and change God's daily Like he's trying to get deep down in them because they look at other nations sometimes as less than. Who changes gods? And they're not even real gods at all. The people that don't change gods, they're worshiping rocks and stone and the sky. They're, They're worshiping the created instead of the creator. They don't change, but you guys do. What are you doing, Israel? Why? Why are you guys changing? Be appalled at this, O heavens, and shudder with great horror, declares the Lord. And we get on here in just two sad areas. My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. So they have forsaken me. They have forgotten me. They have left me. They have chosen something other than the spring of living water. They have chosen something other than what is life itself. Because remember, without the creator, the author that made all this, without him, there is no life. There is nothing. There, there, There is absolutely nothing. There's what we would call death. Like there's no in between. There's not in between life and death. There's just one or the other. They've forgotten the spring of living water. And then you see the second thing they've done after they forgot. They have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that can't hold water. So they exchanged the true spring of living water. And they're like, we got this. We can store our own water. We don't need your water, God. We'll just figure out how to grab this, these different things, and we'll store it. Well, first of all, they ain't storing life. They ain't storing the the spring of living water. They're putting their hope and their trust in worldly things. Again, how many of us do that? How many of us say, as long as I you know, have my job, I'm fine. As long as I have um, these different um, things, my family, my, my job, every, as long as all this goes good, I'm fine and I'm happy worshiping God. I'm happy to be there with Him. But those aren't real things to put your trust in. Those are here today and gone tomorrow. Name one worldly thing that will be here probably in 200 years that you have had your hands on or like 
I have a horrible thing of putting too much emphasis on maintaining a truck or keeping it uh, good because, uh, uh, like, some of it's good. You don't want to be walking. But um, if Jen was here, she would probably be laughing at me because I can give her the look. I'm like, man, your vehicle's dirty. It's been that way for a week now. What's going on? Like, and, and these dumb things that stress me out, and believe me, they do. It's just a horrible flaw I have. But really, is that going to matter? I've asked myself that question. And by the way, I have a horrible problem. God is getting better with me on this, but I was, I was trading vehicles off every two to three years. Um, sometimes not even that long. And, and so I put all this effort and this time, and you've got to keep it clean, you've got to do the oil changes, you've got to maintain it, and two years later it's gone down the road. Well, that person who got that car is loving it, probably, because they got the maintenance of, of what I did. But at the end of the day, like, God has come to me and says, like, really? You, you, you've, I've grown, or I've, I've been around long enough now, and, and I know it's not that long, but at 42 years of age, I've been able to see, um, how would I say it, like, my forever vehicle. If I could ever get that car or that truck, that, that is, man, that would be awesome. What has come to find out is I've seen these trucks or these cars, and now they're 20 years old, and I see that they're just like everything else. They lose that. Yeah. They, they become old. They, 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 they still are the same basic thing. Now, am I saying I'm fixed? No. Um, like, God has shown me the light, but there's a lot of ways, like, don't get me wrong, I still look at, um, like, Man, that truck would be nice to have sometimes. But I've also become very grateful for the things that God has given me. And, and um, like, I just always don't need the latest and greatest in, in the truck world um, is one of my things. Um, I do have those things where, where sometimes I have put my trust in things of the world, in my job, um, in my family. Like, those things hold dear, and, and I understand um, like those things are nice to survive our jobs are and stuff, but ultimately God provides. Ultimately, I have a job because of him. Ultimately, I have the skills that I have to do the job is because of him. And, and there's, um, there's other ways that he can provide um, besides that job. And, and so I just need to remember that. I don't need to get all worked up and I don't need to do what the Israelites here did and, and dig my own well to store my own water because God's water ain't good enough. I, I don't need to do that. So as we see through Jeremiah, we, we see that there's definitely some things going on. Um, the Israelites are, are this relationship with self, choosing self over everybody else, choosing self over, over God first and foremost, um, results in this, in this horrible spiral of, of, of just um, badness, just, just not good. Um, you're not living in God's ways and, and where he wants you, and, and it leads to destruction. So the next place I'd like to turn is um, Romans, chapter 7, and it's verses 14 through 25. And we're going to see here uh, a man I, I talked on a couple weeks ago, um, Paul. Um, we all remember a little bit probably uh, Saul was his Jew name, Paul was his Greek name. Um, and we're going to see a guy here that wrote a good portion of the New Testament, um, was blindsided by the Lord, um, like, man, this, this guy knows, knows the Lord. And we see some things that Paul fights with, like that we all fight with. And, and that is sin. That is the truth of the matter is. Um, and we see it from Paul. We see his humanness because he is human. What I would like you to, to look at is 
the daily need for Jesus. The daily need for him. If we read uh, Romans chapter 7, verses 14 through 25. Now this one is a little bit of a tongue twister. I hope I can slow it down to keep it not from twisting. But if you read it and you slow down and you listen to what Paul is saying, it makes sense. Hopefully we can do that here. Um, Paul goes on here to say, he says, We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual. Basically, he's identifying God's law is right. It's, it's, it's needed. It's spiritual. But man, I am so broken. I can't. I cannot do it. How many of us try day in, day out and say, like I've done it before. I get up in the morning. I'm not sinning today. I'm not doing it. Two hours into it, whatever I've done, I've done. And, and anyways, we're, we're unspiritual. Uh, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it, as it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing lives good in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is the sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am! Exclamation point. Paul is struggling. He sees. What a wretched man I am! Key point. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Right there, you guys. Anyone who fights this day in, day out. This, this walk with Christ. This fight that we always come up with. Why do I do these things that I don't want to do? This constant battle. There was a devotion that I read that come up and it, and it caught my attention. I get frustrated with myself. Like, why? Why do I always fall down? Why do I always do these things? And, and it may sound obvious to you guys. <laughs> yes. But at the end of the day, like, I was like, man, I'm saved. I've, I don't understand why I fight all this. What's going on? Like, I'm, maybe I'm not saved. Maybe, maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm just a big hoax. Um, all these different things, these, these things come on. And you see here, like, man, I'm fixed, yes, through the blood of Christ, but I am still flawed. Every single day, I have to surrender to Him. Every single day, I have to deny myself. Because the flesh is real. The flesh, the flesh is strong. But God is so much stronger. He's got us. But we do. We have to surrender. And that sounds like, well, that's pretty easy. Just lay down and say, God, do whatever you want. But it's not. Our flesh is real. We see that with Paul here. You see, he struggles. Wants to do good. Loves the Lord. Man, there's something else going on. Why am I always so ugly? We have this sin. We have this, this ugliness in us. 
Once we see that, we all of a sudden start seeing the dependence on Christ. We all of a sudden start saying, I cannot move on without Him. I can't do it. I cannot be good enough. I can try all I want. I can't. So right there, that's freedom. Like You just throw your hands in the air and say, I can't. I can't do none of this without, without Him. And you start really raising that white flag. You say, I surrender my life. I can't do it. I trust wholeheartedly that you've got me. I see through time and time again in Scripture, when we trust in you, how you have us. And so do we. Like, I, that was a question I just asked this, this, this study for me. Do I do that? And I have to tell you, no. You guys, every, every, every week or every day I get up and I grab the reins again. And, and, and it's just this, this prep, like, man, I need to quit. Am I getting up in the morning and the first thing I think about is letting go? Where do, what do you got planned for me today, Lord? What's, what's in the job that, that you've got planned? You know, am, am I listening to you? Am I walking with you? Um, am, am, I, um, am I kind to those that are around me? Do I, do I share the gospel well? Or am I that hypocritical person that is one way on Sunday but a different person Monday through Friday or Monday through Saturday? And you know what? I can't, I can't, I can't be, um, be that disciple without him. Daily, daily, we have to surrender. So we see we have a sin problem. We see that we need Christ. Over and over we see that. I wanted to bring a warning to not take our sin seriously. To not to say that we'll just get it figured out tomorrow. Today's here and now. Tomorrow I'll, I'll, I'll give everything to him. Like, like I wanted to show the seriousness of, of what that means. And, and, and this, is a, this is a hard text. If you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26 through 31. Now here's the seriousness of our sin. So we, we're, I hope that we're saying that we are flawed. We can't, we, we, can't, we can't complete the law by ourselves. We just can't. We, we don't have it in us. We're, we're so messed up and jacked up. But now we're going to see here, if we just say, well, you know, God's grace is sufficient. I'm fine. I can just keep on doing what I want. I don't really need to pursue Him um, in His ways. He'll, he'll just forgive me. Like, Here's some things we, we need to daily surrender and not think that we're, we're going to figure it out one of these days, like we got this. It says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26, If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think a man deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified him, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, and again, the Lord will judge his people, it is a dreadful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. Definitely a somber 
somber verse. It shows the seriousness of our sins. God hates it. God don't like it. It hurts his people. It hurts him. He cherishes us that much that he doesn't want us in that. More importantly, though, to show the effect on sin, on what it does. He stepped down and he joined us in flesh and body. He knows what it's like to be human. He knows the struggles we have. He knows the fight that we have with our flesh. It was real when he was in um, the garden. And, and, and not my father, not my will, but your father be done. To go out and, and die on the cross, know what was coming. If there's ever been a temptation to serve yourself, think about that. You know what's coming. So the soul, the seriousness of sin, but also show the seriousness of love he has for his creation, for us, we have the cross. It shows the ugliness of sin. It shows the deep love he has for us. Don't forget that. Don't deliberately just keep on moving along in, in Tony land or whoever's land you're in. Um, it's serious. God loves us deeply. So I, I hope today, like, I don't want this as a scare tactic. I, I want your hearts to be convicted that, man, he loves. He wants your best interest. He doesn't want us to keep on sinning because, like, like he doesn't want us hurt. He's a God of love. He's a God of life. There is no life without him. Please remember that. Um, if any of this, um, if you have any questions, if, if, if you want to know more about um, this good God we serve, and, and if some of this scared you, like, man, this sounds like a mean God, now, I'm more than willing at any time to meet, to, to discuss, to, to read Scripture together. Like, we serve a great God that loves deeply. Sin is so serious because it hurts so much. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for the seriousness of it because, Lord, your love is serious. We need to recognize that, Father. Lord, we thank you that, that you came, that you, you conquered our sin. Even though we fall and trip and, and all these things in it daily, Father, that you come, that you, you provide. I pray, Lord, that we get to see that love in you clearly through that, Lord. I pray that we're transformed. I pray that we repent, that we change. And Lord, the only way to do that, Lord, is to see your love. We can't do it on our merits. We can't do it on, on just trying harder. The only way we can, we can do that, Lord, is to come to you. Look at your love and look at how disgusting that what we've done to you, Father. And that we don't want to do that no more. We don't want to hurt someone we love, Father. As you don't want to hurt us, Father, you try to look out for us in everything that we do. Please help us see that, Lord. We thank you, Lord, and we love you. Amen. Amen. Yeah.